1: Trading spaces. I'm Dan Nathan, your guy Dami. We host the On the Tape podcast that drops Fridays. It is sponsored by CME Group, which is also the sponsor of these trading spaces. We are also joined on Fridays with Danny Moses of the Big Chill. or no, that's yeah. your joke. The big short fame every Friday that mm-hmm. drops. Mm-hmm. We had a great episode this past Friday with Packy McCormick. We had Melton Dumurs, we had Jared Dicker. We talked about what the hell the metaverse is. This week we got a really great group we have michael batnick of Ritual no management yes batnick. we do and we have stephanie link of high tower she's also on the halftime report one of your favorite shows on CNBC so that drops friday all right guy you and i do these trading spaces every monday and wednesday at 1 p.m. while the market's going on here we got a market here we got some interesting things going on um we're all Breathless, I, the Rivian just opened. Guy, you see, this is trading at yeah, like one hundred eight. It was priced great. at seventy eight. Well, it's interesting from a sentiment standpoint. Yeah, it,
0: no, I just said it's great. Oh, you didn't? You want me to be more enthusiastic? I said, yeah, I'm it's great. I'm just saying it's
1: interesting. It opened at one hundred six seventy five. Is priced at seventy eight. They raised close to ten billion dollars. Uh, the company's pre revenue. We know that. Um, you know, Tesla just passed a trillion dollars in market cap. Here it is, Tesla. Uh, what did it get as high as? Twelve what 1200,
0: 1240
1: 1240 it's at 1064 it was trading below a thousand today i thought your I got, 900 got to, number was going to be coming into play Guy Got a
0: 980 day ain't over yet um you know it's interesting i don't I, I can't say with great certainty but i think north of 100 puts rivian's market cap like either side of 90 billion dollars or something which i only mentioned because it's, you know it, it just pales i mean it just puts ford and gm in in such sort of the the, the, you know, in the rear view mirror, it's, it's really remarkable. And I'm sure Rivian's a great company. And I know you bought the R2 D2. You went on, you went on the website and got it. But I, I just think all this says to me is Ford and Ford specifically, but I'll throw GM in there as well. It's just it continues to be too cheap. And that's not Monday morning quarterback. I mean, this is something I've been saying literally for the last nine months
1: yeah well I, I mean listen again we just continue to see a whole host of things just kind of trade um, what we think is somewhat just dis- disconnected from fundamentals um, and maybe we're just thinking about it wrong maybe it's the wrong construct um, you know, oh look like, at you I like that well I mean, you know listen I, you know, I'm learning a lot from, from a lot of our younger friends here Gaidami, about yeah P um, Mac
0: J Dick Meltem it's all those I mean it's yeah well you stuff. know who's
1: on here Michael Saylor's on here I love Michael we love Michael if Michael wanted to jump on here and kind of help us think about some things differently no a little bit. No freaking way. Yeah.
0: Michael, Staler's Michael, here. I mean, Michael's the man. You know, in the in the pantheon of badasses, he's, he's right there. So if he wants to join, you let him in. But while he's deciding, which is fine, just let me read a tweet I put out earlier, Dan, Uh-oh. and I would like you to opine. Okay, this is four hours ago, I think, or maybe even more. From Guy Adami, that would be me. As citizens, comma, we put our collective faith slash fate in the judgment of these Fed officials, period. In Kaplan and Rosengren's, comma, although having done nothing illegal, comma, they did not have the obvious good judgment to not trade stocks and foresee the subsequent optics slash ramifications. Let that sink in.
1: Yeah, well, I did let it sink in. And I will tell you this. I think that Michael Saylor probably has something to say about some of those gentlemen. And they generally are gentlemen um, that we put a lot of faith in, our financial faith into the future here. Uh, Wouldn't you say so, Guy? I would hope so.
0: And if he if he unmutes himself, I would love to hear what he was saying. Michael, how are you? Before you start to opine, Michael Saylor, I have said I have written and I'd love your uh, take on this. Amongst the many villains of the 21st century, and there will be many, central bankers are going to be at the top of the list. Thoughts, Michael Saylor. And thank you for joining. <laughs> well, you're my two favorite spaces,
2: guys. Thanks for having me. This, you know, like I saw you on my lunch break. So just so you know, I'm having lunch and I've decided that I'd rather hang out with you than <laughs>
0: eat. Gotta eat. Uh, you gotta eat.
2: Well, I think we're monetizing everything, right? What you've got is a is a civilization. We're printing a lot of money, so there's a lot of there's a lot of money being uh, put in the economy. And the last eighteen months has been a fascinating fascinating experiment. And what does a free market choose to monetize? If I give you excess money, you know, every, everybody scrambles to buy a house in the suburbs. You know, you remember for for three months, everybody went into bunker mode and then they started moving out and buying up Hampton's real estate and then they bought up all the suburban real estate in Connecticut. And uh, it took a while. And then eventually we saw that in housing prices. And uh, for a while, people couldn't buy anything or, or they couldn't they couldn't do anything. So the Main Street economy didn't have inflation. But then when everybody started to move again, we saw inflation at Main Street economy and You saw the SPACs. A SPAC is like we monetized someone else's uh, venture project (laughs) or monetized someone else's, you know, aspiration. And then we started monetizing meme stocks and we monetized uh, some crypto tokens. We monetized the Dogecoin. Then we monetized the (coughs) dog coin. We monetized, you know, there's actually two Sailor Moon coins. I didn't actually know about that. There's about a dozen Elon Musk coins. Can't slow it down. And, and uh, we didn't really monetize gold that well until it looks like today they're trying to monetize it a little bit, but it's not going to work. And you know what I think? I think that if you're going to monetize something, theory says you should monetize a synthetic digital asset nobody can print any more of on a dominant secure network. And that's what Bitcoin is monetizing housing not a good idea right we got that as soon as you monetize something with utility like natural gas the politicians want to put a price control on it we monetize housing in canada the canadian politicians want to make it illegal for foreigners to own houses in canada you know you want to monetize something you don't have to eat or live in or burn as fuel for the winter or else you're going to get price controls and wage controls and the like and so what do i think i think buy bitcoin
0: guys That's no i know I'm you thinking. do and i think you're sort of reinforcing in a far more eloquent way my you know my initial reaction that these central bankers are leading us down an extraordinarily uh, dangerous path i know dan has a question michael yeah, well, Michael. Since we last
1: talked, and I mean, you just mentioned a bunch of um, these altcoins and stuff, and we know that you know you you kind of lean towards um, the Bitcoin here, as you just said here. My 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 question is though: we've seen an explosion, right, in volume in NFTs and uh, in a lot of related um, kind of crypto, um, you know, protocols, right? What, what what's your thought there? I mean, are you happy that it stays in the crypto ecosystem rather than going out and, and you know, I guess five years ago, you know, a, and I, a successful ICO, you take the money out, and you buy a Lambo or you buy a boat or, you know, with with a with a name on it to the moon or something like that? Well, you know. How, how are you thinking about the ecosystem, the way it's evolved over the course of twenty twenty one, and when you think of like you, you just kind of we're saying this in a way where we monetize this, we monetize. You're really talking about asset bubbles, right? And are you seeing asset bubbles in the crypto, uh, crypto ecosystem right now, and how are you just generally feeling about that away from Bitcoin?
2: You know, like I I walk into uh, restaurants now, and uh, and sometimes I sit down with them. Um, with uh people that are older than me and they they don't know what bitcoin is but they heard about it on the news or something and I got to explain it for an hour and a half but then when I'm walking out the door the lead waiter stops me and thanks me for what I'm doing and says all the guys in the back room are all buying bitcoin and they all love crypto etc thanks for what you're doing and my conclusion here is is the environment in the last 18 months has driven everybody to go download Robinhood they're all like figuring out they got to buy stocks or they got to buy crypto and um, and uh, they're being poked right uh, everybody's reaction is I got to adjust I got to do the right thing for me and the more flexible they are the faster they're adjusting so right right, right now what you have is, is people that would not ordinarily have bought stocks, went and bought stocks last year. And this year, people that would not have ordinarily looked at crypto, looked at crypto. Um, War, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Nobody changes unless there's a war. There's a war, right? There's a war on currency. There's a COVID war. Everybody opens up their minds. And so I think that we're ferociously looking at different options that we never considered and in the crypto economy you've got you've got bitcoin which is like your non-sovereign store of value or digital gold then you've got all the DeFi nft which is like tech venture capital new things that people want to try and figure out whether there's a an investment opportunity there and then you've got you know the meme coins which are kind of like just the speculative things but for a while, right, the, the politicians made it illegal to gamble on sports, right, because they shut down all the sports, right? In fact, even right now, it's kind of – there are so many rules that tell you what you can and can't do. You know, you, you can't fly to Vegas so easily anymore. You, you know, you can't bet on some sports game if you live in the district, but if you don't live in the district, you can So there's so many regulations on people. They're looking for what's possible. And that means that if I take away, you know, your trip to Atlantic City, then the next best thing is you bet on SHIB versus Dogecoin. And, (laughs) you know, you know what I mean? Like people are figuring out what they can do. And partly it's technology, partly it's investment, partly it's speculation, partly it's entertainment and then partly it's savings. All those things are happening
0: at the same time. Michael, a, a while ago, I had the honor of interviewing you. I, I, I think I was on power lunch with you over a year ago and I've interviewed you a number of times. And one of the first things you said to me, and it really sort of caught me off guard, but I thought a lot about it is cash on the balance sheet of a corporation is not an asset. It's a liability. And with each passing day, that's proving to be more and more true. And given some of the numbers we saw today, um, that's really coming uh, coming to fruition. I'm, I'm asking, I'm not asking you to name the company, but do you get a lot of incoming calls from CEOs and CFOs? I guess um, wanting to discuss exactly that.
2: <clears throat> yeah, more so. I mean, every single month, uh, the in, the interest has increased, and I, I have a lot more conversations now than I did six months ago. I think everybody's waking up. I think this. I think the story. You know, we, we, when, when I got going up until like, you know, Elon Musk Day, I think on the day that Elon Musk uh, announced that Tesla bought Bitcoin, the entire story broke into the mainstream media for the first time. And that's, you know, we remember that was like February or so. I think that, um, before that time people used to lament that nobody in the mainstream media talked about bitcoin talked about crypto talked about anything and then after it they said oh well it's an odd thing there's a couple of oddballs that are doing this i think in the past month you know ever what we've seen is we're moving into a new stage i maybe you could um you put your finger on the real seminal events, the third stage. Right? First stage is like crypto's not mainstream. Second stage is mainstream's not sure if it's a good idea or a stupid idea, but we're talking about it. Third stage is the president's working committee puts a stable coin report and says banks can actually issue stable coins. People didn't quite get that, but like, ah, that was a green light for Bank of America, Citigroup and JP Morgan to issue a trillion dollars worth of stable coins if you didn't notice. Ah, Wow. Second, Congress and Senate likes crypto. That was a surprise. We thought they were going to, you know, they were going to be against. And we have the head of the SEC getting getting lambasted and beat up by congressmen and senators for not moving faster to normalize Bitcoin, especially to normalize crypto, give us guidance. So, so that was a big thing. That just happened a month ago. And the third thing is two ETFs getting approved. And and the fourth thing was the head of the eu central bank the head of the the fed central bank you know and the head of the sec and the head of the cftc other people getting grilled and saying no we're not going to ban cryptocurrencies and uh bitcoin's here to stay right and once you got your head around that that just happened in the past four weeks guys like in four weeks we we turned the corner from i sat next to guys a month ago I sat between one guy with $55 billion, another guy with $65 billion. And the guy with $55 billion, you know, owned a ton of, of Bitcoin exposure and he thought it was the future. The guy on my left side said, oh, yeah, uh, I'm just afraid it might be banned. And they're all waiting to hear the, uh, the administration, Congress, the Senate, the regulators say it's not being banned and if, if there was any clear signal, it's if you're going to approve a Bitcoin ETF, it's not going to be banned. We turned the corner, and I feel like now we're in the third stage. And the third stage is, the, this is institutional-grade asset. You can buy this stuff. You can hold this stuff. Now, that, that's third chapter in the 10-chapter book, right? which is, I guess it's good, right? We're still early. But before we got that third chapter... We, we had we had uh, during the last six months, the Ray Dalio overhang of Ray saying, in essence, it's such a good idea. I'm sure some politician will ban it. <laughs> like literally, that's where we were for six months with people with 10 billion, 100 billion, 50 billion dollars saying, OK, I get it. It's a good idea, but it's just so good an idea. There must be a catch. And everybody just heard in the past four weeks the catch is if you want to issue a trillion dollars in stablecoin, you got to be a bank. The second catch is if you want to own a billion dollars of Bitcoin, then you got to actually pay your taxes on it if you want to transfer it. And you're probably going to have to disclose it if you transfer it or in a KYC fashion. And the third catch is all this other crypto stuff, we still got to work all that out. <laughs> we got to work out the security token the defi we got to work that out there's stuff coming if you get that now that's a green light for people with a lot of money to get into this space but having said it all the whole back is still you know the overhang is still uh you know the FASB accounting and definite intangible accounting is a whole back we're still waiting for the fdic right the f the chair of the fdic says we got to figure out how to let banks hold bitcoin on their balance sheet i mean That that happened a week ago. Mm -hmm. So we need big banks. We need the JP Morgans and the Citigroups to agree to buy $50 billion worth of Bitcoin for the Googles and the Apples of the world and all the other conservative investors. And if we solve that problem, how do the banks custody it? And the second problem, is there a way for me to do fair value accounting on it? Those two things would be massive for adoption, between now and then, if you want to do the work, if instead of using JP Morgan, you want to go to Fidelity or Coinbase and take six months to set up your account. And if you want to explain to your shareholders in a pro forma how to adjust out for your Bitcoin value, value on a fair value basis using non gap accounting, if you're willing to do that, then you can get in ahead of everybody else. And if you won't, you wait and you buy in when it's 10x more
1: and and you think the catalyst for that 10x is it really is the moment that Chapey Morgan Chase or, or, or other big money center banks can custody these for large corporates, that's it. That's the sea change because there's really no reason why they shouldn't be diversifying the assets on their balance sheet. Is that is that your take? Because I know that, like Tim Cook, I don't know where it came from earlier this week. He said something like, "Ah, I own some Bitcoin, but we have no designs on anything." Or I don't know if he said Bitcoin or crypto in general. Is that the thing? And then and then I, the I uh, think the, there's the flip three. Just,
2: Look, first of all, it's going up by a factor of 10 whether they fix any of the stuff, right? It's going to go a lot it's going to be a grind up by a factor of 10 just because gold is broken and bitcoin's going to replace gold and now everybody in the universe knows they need a non-sovereign store of value in the form of a bearer instrument. So, now they're looking the the amount of stories for last year people said inflation may be coming, we're not sure. Now, the mainstream narrative is flipped to inflation is here. You need an inflation hedge. So it's going to grind up to replace gold. It'll go to $500,000 a coin, regardless of whether they fix these things. But there are three things that are massive catalysts that cause an acceleration. And I I don't think that those three things don't take us to $500,000. They take us to $5 million a coin, right? Those three things are a spot ETF where someone can go ahead and buy $100 million of Bitcoin via security, an ETF security. I think that's one. Two is your bank is going to custody it for you and lend against it. And three is uh, I can mark it up or mark it down on my balance sheet based on fair value. para It'll be para pursue to the way I'd handle Apple stock or at least that good if it's, if you have property with fair value accounting, by the way, it becomes parapassu to the way you'd handle treasury bonds on a treasury balance sheet. Treasuries are better than stocks because treasury is property. Whereas a stock is a security and you're capped out at 40% of your balance sheet as security. So, so uh, it would be a major, major breakthrough if, if you saw any of those three things. And I, I'll end with this one observation. I tweeted this last week, but I still I think it's very powerful. It's if the banks can hold this stuff on their balance sheet, then a whole new class of investors are going to buy it. People are going to put in billion and multi billion dollar orders to buy it as a treasury asset. Nobody's going to sell it because because there's no reason to sell it if you can borrow against it at LIBOR plus or at SOFR plus fifty basis points. Right. So you'll be you'll be barring against Bitcoin at so for plus 50 or so for plus 100 basis points. No one's ever going to sell it. And then, as I joked, you won't be able to afford it. I mean, you will be able to afford it. But, you know, everybody gets Bitcoin at the price they deserve. When the banks normalize it and you can draw a hundred million dollar credit line at 100 basis points from an FDIC insured bank, at that point, right, we're going to blow through the market cap of gold by a factor of 10. Right. So, I, I, you know, I think the best thing is those three things are highly likely to happen. I don't know if they happen in 36 months or 24 months or 12 months, but I would be shocked if it's more than 36 months. And I hope, guys, I hope it doesn't happen in 12 months because my view is, the longer it takes, the, the more progressive the grind, the more time I, I have to buy more of it.
0: <laughs> and I think right now, if I'm not mistaken, you have 114,000 Bitcoin or so on the balance sheet of micro strategies, which is remarkable if you think about it. And, and, you know, you mentioned that price appreciation if these things were to happen. This is a question and I'm going to let you go because I want to be respectful of your time. It must it must frustrate you that Jamie Dimon, who runs the most important bank on the planet, in my opinion, is so dismissive. And that's a word that I'm choosing to use of crypto. Can you speak to that? Um, Well,
2: partly I'm frustrated. But on the other hand, I started I told you, I started buying at ninety five hundred a coin. I was late. Everybody gets Bitcoin at the price they deserve. The only thought I had as I was buying the stuff as fast as I could was, oh, my God, someone else is going to figure this out and take it away from me. So I have been lucky to be able to buy it while while people like uh, Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger or Jamie Dimon don't understand it. Um, you know, I, again, like I, I tweeted this morning, I just tweeted a minute ago, right? We're at 30-year all-time high inflation, maybe 40-year all-time high. I said, if there's only one thing you learn in 30 years, learn Bitcoin. It's People can't get this through their head, but... If you look at those shots of New York City in 1905, looking down the avenue, and there's all horses and people, and then they fast forward 15 years to 1915, and there's no horses, and there's all cars, right? It it took 10 years, paradigm shift. Everybody adopted it. I think, uh, you know, when electricity showed up, I'm sure there are lots of people that thought this newfangled invention, you know, wasn't very safe. You, you can find endless stories in The New York Times where they said electricity will kill us. Airplanes will kill us. If you go more than 20 miles an hour, an automobile will suck the oxygen out of the cabin and you'll suffocate. OK, so you can't really understand Bitcoin if you don't spend 10 hours minimally. Most people with billions of dollars in positions of power don't sit down for an entire day and force feed themselves 10 hours of Bitcoin lectures. You spend 100 hours, you start to get a grasp of it. You spend 1,000 hours, you understand it. So I just – it's a complicated idea. It's, it's concentrated energy in digital form – Steel is concentrated energy in metallic form. Electricity is concentrated energy in electrical form. Fire is concentrated energy. Think about the history of the human race when someone shows up with with something new. And it's do you embrace it or do you reject it or do you dismiss it? And the answer is, if you're going to die if you don't embrace the fire, you figure fire out, but, but otherwise you don't. And if you're going to starve to death, you embrace the bow and arrow or you don't. Right. And like, like everything else, the people that needed it, the people that are desperate, they're open-minded, you know, the guy that got laid off from his job or the woman that's sitting at home, you know, and they can't do anything and they can't go anywhere for six months They had plenty of time on their hand and they had a problem to solve and they discovered cryptocurrency and Robinhood and Bitcoin. And on the other hand, you know, if you ran a big company and you have plenty of assets, you got other things that are distracting you. You're not going to basically say, hold my calls for 40 hours. I'm going to go home and I'm going to go on an intense study. You know, a few people do, but it's just such a new thing that uh, it's going to take a while before people allocate 40 hours or 80 hours to figure this out. Uh, but but I'm not dejected, Dan and Guy. I'm not dejected because I want to make this final point. Everybody in the world is being asked their opinion of Bitcoin right now. Nobody's being asked their opinion of should I convert my balance sheet to silver or gold or natural gas or S&P index, or the Vanguard 500, or commodity index. The one question everybody's getting asked, Tim Cook got asked yesterday, Vladimir Putin got asked, the head of the EU Central Bank got asked, Jerome Powell got asked, Gary Gensler got asked, every congressman, every senator got asked. I'm surprised nobody's asked Joe Biden yet, by the way. I'm looking forward to when they ask Joe Biden if he's going to actually buy Bitcoin for the United States Federal Reserve balance sheet. They're all being asked this question, Got to have an answer. I sympathize with them. they got other responsibilities. they got other, other distractions. They don't have 10 hours to study this thing. They don't have 100 hours to study it. So they give you their knee-jerk response. Some eventually come around, right? Their ignorance is your opportunity.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, listen, Michael, you've uh, been very generous with your time um, and laying out your views uh, in good times and bad for this crypto asset as it's moved around and been very volatile this year. Um, And we appreciate that. And when you talk about the time that people can spend doing this, I know that um, we've discussed sailor.org in the past, and and you have a lot of free courses on uh, not not just crypto, but on a whole host of uh, different things that uh, people can get uh, free degrees in. So that's really cool. So listen, Guy and I really appreciate you taking the time on your lunch to to check in here. We've learned a lot from you. Um, You helped us open our minds a little bit um, to this new phenomenon. And, And like you say, it's kind of early stages. So um, we appreciate every time we have the opportunity to talk to you about it. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, and
0: Michael, real quick before you jump, check out sailor.org. That's really where you want to go. I mean, if you have any questions, the answers are all there. And Michael, you are a badass. And Dan said, good times, bad times. The first song on Led Zeppelin's first album. One of the great rock songs of all time. You are one of the great CEOs of all time. Thank you, Michael. You're too kind. Rock on, guys. Thanks, right, Michael. On.
1: All right, guy. We got a couple minutes left before we got to hit it. That's really interesting. I listen, and I really mean that. You know, I think that when Michael, I mean, you know, I'm sure plenty of people on here heard that when he said fifty thousand to, uh, you know, five hundred thousand to five million. It's you know, he seems pretty confident about that. It's kind of hard for us to think about some sort of like you know, asymmetric sort of situation like that. But I think he uh, and, and many others kind of feel that that's the opportunity. And I, I don't think people like you and me will ever be able to get our arms around that unless we were to do this sort of work. But, you know, you hear this all the time in crypto: is like when they went down the rabbit hole or this rabbit hole or that. And it really seems like the ones that um, you know, are just kind of holding on and not selling. As our friend Melton likes to say, don't sell your JPEGs to the bankers. Um,
0: those are the people that are pretty clear-eyed about this whole thing. Laser-focused, Dan. You are, la- I don't know if you want to take a question or if you want an Audi 5000, but I really, every time he pops on, it's a joy and it's a, it's an honor that he, listen, I mean, that is the CEO of a of a major corporation. Oh, by the way, he's probably the most important person in the crypto world, and yet he has a half hour to sort of join us, which is really remarkable. Yeah, no, it truly is. Um,
1: well, why don't we do this, Guy? Why don't we wrap it up here? I know it's been um, a great conversation. I don't think you and I have much more to add, but let's just do this real quickly on the markets, just a quick market touch. So we had, um, you know, this massive run over the last what week and a half or so. I think it was nine straight new highs in the S&P 500 before yesterday. Here we are down um, again. We had this. You and I just started this Space is talking a little bit about um, this Rivian IPO. What's interesting because it a is $100 billion market cap on its first day. There haven't been too many of those. They raised maybe $10 billion. And we were talking about the volatility in Tesla. So still down about 15% from its recent highs. Does this run the risk of being one of those kind of footnotes in the market guy? If you look at that S&P chart and you look at the steepness of that rally over the last um, call it five or six weeks or so, um, and we just broke that uptrend. Are we uh, are we set to kind of maybe pull back towards? I don't know. Was it forty
0: five fifty? That was the breakout level from just a few weeks ago. Certainly appears that. And, and you throw on top of that the fact that General Electric made their announcement, splitting into three companies. You talked about it on the show last night. How you know that feels sort of market toppy to you? And again, before we get out of here, um, and I know we disagree on this, and that's was to say what makes markets, but. <laughs> Ten-year bonds have moved thirteen one three basis points today. I mean, that is—you just think about the magnitude of that on a percentage basis. If the S and P five hundred moved uh, that type of percentage, we'd be all—that's oh, all we'd be talking about. It's remarkable to me how now inefficient the bond markets become, and you know what I think is the cause of that. So. To answer your question, Dan, I think there are a lot of things in place to see that move to the downside. Yeah, but, but, but
1: let me just tell you this. I mean, none more than the dollar breaking out here. I mean, the dollar is trading at levels, uh, new 52-week highs. If you look at that sort of bottom formation that it had been making since it broke down in uh, during you know mid-2020, uh, 20, during the throes of the uh, the pandemic here. So that looks like it's about to break out. I do think it's interesting, and you know I've been saying this, if rates are going higher, which you think they are, The only playbook I know, guy, is that the dollar goes higher and that some of these industrial commodities go lower. Look at the move in crude oil today. I think that's pretty interesting. I know that you guys talked about gold. I don't really see gold, like, getting it on right here. I mean, to be very frank, I know you think that it's playing right at a technical resistance level. But, um, you know, it literally was trading much higher earlier today, and now it's trading at the lows. If it fills in that gap, it's over, bro.
0: And you know what else is over? This space is. So thanks to to CME Group, our presenting sponsor. You heard Michael Saylor. We're going to try to get Michael on one of our podcasts, On the Tape podcast, drops each Friday. Dan, say what you got to say. Yeah,
1: thanks to CME Group. They're the sponsor of our podcast. Check it out. Uh, We do it with Danny Moses every Friday. It's in your favorite podcast store. Last week, we had a great episode. It was called What the Fuck is the Metaverse? We had from CoinShares. We had Jared Dicker from the Churning Group. And we had Packy McCormick of Not Boring Capital. That one's in the podcast stores. Check it out. We went through all things meta and web three with three, what I think are geniuses there. And then we have Michael Batnick of Ritholtz Management and Stephanie Link of Hightower coming on this week. That'll be in the podcast stores on Friday. So check it out. Thanks, Guy Adami. Thanks to Michael Saylor. Um, And we will see you very soon. Thanks, bye.